Yesterday was Remembrance Day here in Canada. This is when we remember all the brave men and women who fought, lived, and died at war defending our country and ideals. In honor of this solemn holiday, I thought I would dedicate this post to those brave men and women. Today I'm going to take a look at the food of war, focusing on World War I, as yesterday also marked the 100th anniversary of the signing of the Armistice, which officially ended World War I. It's easy for us to take for granted the quality and quantity of food that we have available to us today. But for our fighting men and women, now and throughout history, the quality and quantity of food they receive has often been less than ideal. Many of us would stick our noses up what our soldiers are given to eat. That is a luxury that we are afforded by the sacrifices of these people. And so, let's take a look at the food of war. I'm Chef Ben, this is Food in 5, brought to you by HowToNotBurnShit.com your modern culinary manual. Napoleon said that an army marches on its stomach. This point of view is what led him to fund the development of canned and preserved food in the early 1800s. These Napoleon-sponsored canning innovations continued to develop and improve over the next hundred years, and these preserved foods played a pivotal role in every war since they were first developed. Today, in the military world, canned food has been largely replaced with food-packed and retort packages, which are thermostabilized plastic packages, essentially lighter, more durable, flexible cans. Feeding millions of men and women on the front lines of a war zone cannot be an easy thing to do, but easy or not, it is something that needed to be done, and done it was for the most part. When you stop and think about the logistical nightmare that this undertaking would be, it really is remarkable that no British or Canadian soldier died of starvation during World War I. They didn't always get fed on time, they didn't usually like what they were eating, but they were fed enough as not to die. Not exactly a glowing review. In the First World War and into the Second World War, the Canadian Army was still in its infancy. Really, prior to World War I, we didn't have an army at all, but rather a militia. Because of this, and our close ties to the British, our troops largely ate what the British troops ate. <clears throat> and if the troops were lucky enough to be near a field kitchen, or if their field kitchen hadn't been blown up by a mortar fire, then there was a good chance they had a hot meal. And these meals would typically consist of stew or soup, and the British field kitchens of World War I were really just large vats in which everything was cooked. They were poorly cleaned, and obviously sanitation wasn't nearly as big a concern as it is today, and so a lot of soldiers got sick. And it was just, getting sick from the food was just considered a part of everyday life. For the troops who didn't have access to the field kitchens, their rations were mainly made up of canned beef, corned beef, hard dried bread, tea and coffee, sugar and bacon, uh, some kind of dried fruit or jam, and two big tablespoons of rum. That was about it. I'm not sure if the Canadians got rum, but the British definitely did. Ideally, the troops were supposed to get between 4,000 and 4,500 calories a day. When you look at the pictures of fighting men from those days, it's pretty obvious that this wasn't always the case. To supplement their rations, soldiers would scavenge and forage what they could. They would even hunt, and a pilfered chicken here or there, some foraged nettles or berries, added much-needed variety to their diets. There are even some reports of soldiers keeping a cow in the trenches with them so they could have a steady supply of fresh milk. When you're hungry and your food supply is questionable or spotty, you do what you can. The soldiers came up with recipes for turnip bread, weird stews made with dried bread, currants, and other odds and ends, and all kinds of bizarre stuff. Ingenuity kept them fed and alive. On occasion, packages would arrive from home with sweets, chocolates, 
or even the common Coca-Cola bread. This was a large loaf of bread with the center cut out and replaced with a bottle of Coke. The bread would protect the bottle during shipping, and I'm sure being on the front lines a Coke from home was probably a welcome sight. Another bit of food that the soldiers had was an emergency field ration. These would always be carried by the soldiers, but were meant only for the direst situations. On the can that contained the ration, it said in big writing, only to be opened by the order of a superior officer or in extreme situations. These rations contained very little, and generally some dried beef and some cocoa powder. That was about it. Back home, wartime rationing was in full effect. Things like meat, vegetables, wheat, sugar, eggs, and milk were limited, and people were encouraged to find creative ways to do more with less. Out of this rationing came recipes for war cake, which was a cake made with no eggs, butter, or milk. It doesn't sound very good, but everyone had to do their parts. On top of rationing, the government suggested every house have a small garden to help ease the burden of food production. So there you go, a little insight into what life was like food-wise during World War I. Um, you know, if you have any family or friends who have been in the military or are in the military, you know, maybe just think of them a little extra today. I'm Chef Ben. This is Food and Five, brought to you by HowToNotBurnShit.com, your modern culinary manual. You can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Chef Ben Kelly and on Facebook at Ben Kelly Cooks. You can like, subscribe, rate, comment, share this podcast, tell your friends about it, and as, o- uh, excuse me. And as always, thank you for listening. I'll be back tomorrow with another fantastic episode of Food and Five. And tomorrow is Tuesday. That means it's Food History Day. And we will be looking oh, at a brief history of canned food. So it kind of ties into today. Thank you for listening. I'll see you later.